It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream-given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. Hi, man. I'm Elizabeth. Well, Heidi couldn't be with us today, but we are very pleased to be joined by our special guest host. Say hello to Lori. Hey, Lori. Hey. hey. Hi, Lori. Hi, thank you. Lori, you were okay. on one of, uh, yeah, you were on one of our spoiler shows, but for newbies, this is the first time we're hearing you. How did you become a Babylon 5 fan? Um, I actually watched it when it originally aired. Um, we kind of always watched all of Star Trek and pretty much all sci-fi shows, and I guess that was how we found out about it. And it was interesting hearing you all talk about the pilot, which I did not rewatch because I didn't get those discs. But I remember there being this huge gap in thinking that it had just gotten canceled and oh. then being really excited when, oh, yeah, it's back. <laughs> um, yeah, so we watched uh, when it originally aired and then watched again i'm thinking maybe like 10 years ago we watched it on i guess netflix disc um when like the kids were little um so i haven't rewatched it again since then though so uh though i remember everything and overall there are a lot of details that i forgot yeah i know so it's fun (laughs) so it's it's a great excuse to watch again i'm getting my son to to watch with me some oh cool cool. yeah you want to watch oh good yeah, I was going to say, he helped me rewatch last night and commentaried through the whole thing. So, had lots of thoughts on it. <laughs> oh, you'll have to let us know what he thinks. And so, he's watching it for the first time or, or since he was really young? Yeah, since he was really young. He watched some of it with us. As it's, I don't think this is a spoiler, but it's, you know, it's fairly PG. I mean, it was the Sci Fi Network. Or, wait, was it Sci Fi Network? Uh, it was P10, but it did air on the Sci-Fi Network at one time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, right. So, so he, he remembers some of it, but not, not really, not, not much of it. So he's mostly watching yeah. as a newbie, and I won't spoil him. I do so have when to you... say though, in terms of uh, the show, when it aired in the UK later on, they ended up doing two cuts: one for early morning broadcast, and then one Good for to... late in the night. For some reason, they scheduled some of the episodes to air at about ten o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't really work out, does it? No, that's sorry, a really I interrupted uh, your story there, but no, 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 that's trivia. fine. Yeah, I don't remember what time we watched it. I guess we taped it some um, as well. Back in the days of ca- video cassettes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. It was like you were going away. You had to pick which show you were going to tape that week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you only got one. <laughs> uh, VCRs, you could tape. Uh, didn't, couldn't you just tape like one show like Monday through Friday? It wasn't like a DVR where it would just keep recording over and over again. 
Like I could right. set mine to record the same time every week. So if oh, okay. I was going away, I would have to just pick the one show I wanted to record the most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. And you had to yeah. be really careful whether you wanted to do it at normal speed or double speed. Because if you wanted to keep it, you did it at normal speed. But if you wanted to get more out of the tape, you did it at double. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two hours or six hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very glad that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was an expert at that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are here to discuss episode 18 of season one, A Voice in the Wilderness, part one. But first, here's an ISN special report. This is an ISN special report. On Mars, fighting has broken out between the Free Mars Movement and the Earth-appointed provisional government. ISN has been covering the Free Mars Movement and its increasingly vocal demands for independence. Tensions have been escalating in recent weeks, and many have speculated that it was only a matter of time before the conflict turned violent. Our reporters on the ground are covering this fierce fighting, and we will bring you an in-depth report later today. In other news, a Babylon 5 geological team was nearly destroyed by weapons fire, originating on the adjacent planet Epsilon 3. It is thought that geological tremors on the planet revealed a hidden crevice on its surface and triggered a previously unknown defense system. It is also believed that senior military officers from Babylon 5 subsequently discovered underground structures, but specific details are not known. This has been your ISN Special Report. A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1 originally aired on July 27, 1994. It was directed by Janet Greek, who also directed In the Sky Full of Stars and Science Importance, two important episodes. And it was written by JMS. Yes, it was. Let's start with the recap. So the episode begins with a Minbari arriving on the station, and he wants to see Delin, and the guy's going to take him to see her. Which is like uh, pretty much every time somebody arrives, it's somebody from someone's past. Exactly. So. <laughs> yep. It works. Yep. We find out later that this guy's name is Drawl, and he's played by Louis Chirin. I saw that he was in Mystic Pizza, Julia Roberts' movie one day. Hmm. And I saw there was an ad in the background of this scene. It said, for Nacho Tours, we show you the world, one world at a time. Oh, did not see that. So up in the C&C, they're getting some seismic disturbances from that planet they're orbiting that they never talk about. <laughs> so they're <laughs> going to send a space shuttle down to investigate, and Sinclair has to go play diplomat for a while. Yeah, I found that line a little odd. Um, as if he doesn't take that role seriously, whereas in the past we've seen it take it very seriously. And he's it very good at out it. Of character. Yeah, it seemed a bit out of character, that line to me. Yeah, well, we haven't really seen him do that kind of stuff in a while, have we? They started yeah. off with it a bit, yeah. and then they kind of didn't see him do it a lot. Yeah, maybe in Born to the Purple, or not, yeah, Born to the Purple, I know he did it in that episode. I guess uh, I was assumed that he's doing it kind of behind the scenes and just part of right. his regular daily duties, and we just don't see it. Maybe he's just having a bad day or bored with it. <laughs> I mean, it's so <laughs> thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> So we see him go and he meets up with Talia, who's waiting for the transport to... Now she's Two having... Talia episodes in a row. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you happy, Will? Yeah, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> Can't you tell? Happy. <laughs> <laughs> the two-parter. 
Yeah. <laughs> so she's having a problem. She's having a Garibaldi problem. So he's always there when she's about to get on the tube. And guess what? <laughs> he's there looking creepy when she <laughs> when it does arrive. He just I just picture him just going up and down and up and down and up and down, hoping <laughs> that she's her. gonna show up. <laughs> well, no. I, I the more I took, the more I oh, is someone uh, got something on? Oh, I'm sorry. Um. Something's weird playing on my computer there. Sorry, it was me. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, um, sorry about that. Now, I was going to say, I was tricking, I took it more that he's in um, security watching the um, cams and whenever she's about to go on the elevator, he hops on one. That is so creepy. I hope that's not true. Yeah, well, is this stalkery? Would this be like tolerated? <laughs> if this really was happening. At work? Mm, uh, and um, I'm sure uh, I can't remember where I've heard this, but I think people have actually gone back through the earlier episodes and noted. Yeah, every time Tally goes in an elevator, Garibaldi is there. Yeah, uh, on the yeah. workers' guy, they were saying that they set this up early on. They overset. Really. Yeah, there was. Wow. A, yeah, I was reading that as well. There was the episode where um, he told her about his second favorite thing or whatever, and then there was yeah. Mind War where she reads his mind and then punches him. I and, remember that. And yeah. this episode was supposed to be the payoff, just a running gag, I guess. <laughs> I guess she's never used the elevator outside of those circumstances. Then. Well, I was listening to some of our earlier episodes and I had completely forgotten that Andrea Thompson married Jerry Doyle. They were married for two years. Mm-hmm. I remember Only you mentioning she- that. <laughs> <laughs> so so ne- did they get married while they while they were on after they were done with the show or? Oh, I can't I'm remember. Not- mm-hmm. I'll have to look that up oh. next time. All right. Next, we see a shuttle. The shuttle they sent is scanning the planet, and a large freaking laser beam comes out of the planet <laughs> and almost hits them. And they lose control of the shuttle, and it starts spinning, and then you have opening credits. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't know what to think at this point, but I yeah. was excited about it. You, We hadn't heard about the planet before, had we, that they were orbiting a planet? Was I, this the first mention of it? They've mentioned it before. I'm pretty sure they've mentioned the name Epsilon well, it's Epsilon, 3. yeah, because I think, I think we There's talked actually, a little bit about it yeah. uh, at the very beginning of the season. That there was a planet there. Actually, um, I was listening to another podcast, and they noted that there's actually a shuttle going in or a ship going to Babylon 5 with the name Epsilon 3 in Soul Hunter. Oh, okay. Hmm. So a weird bit of mismatch continuity there. Hmm. But yeah, they mentioned Epsilon 3 before. So after the credits, Ivanova contacts the shuttle, and there, there was some kind of massive power surge that knocked their systems off. They've achieved orbit, but they can't break orbit themselves, so Ivanova's going to send two Star Furies to bring them back. And then we see Delenn... And Londo are starting the negotiations with Sinclair. He, Sinclair is getting updated about the shuttle situation. I thought the planet was uninhabited, but it looks like they might have been, they might have awakened something. And they start negotiations on trade routes. I noticed here the image quality on the DVD got bad a little for a second. I don't know what happened. Slipped oh, I didn't notice. On the CGI or just on the... Uh, just the quality of the film. On the scene? I don't think you hmm. have the scene. I didn't notice it. I don't know what that would have been. 
So Jakar wasn't there. Was he like off station or he just wasn't in that negotiation? Yeah, I was wondering why we haven't seen Jakar in a while. We haven't, because Natoth was in the last episode, but he wasn't. Yeah. And I don't think he was in the episode before that either. So it's been a while. And I was kind of like wondering um, more the second time I watched it, because the first one I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, just out of curiosity, like, not, I mean, I'm not asking because you guys probably can't say anything, but just, I wonder why he put this in, this scene in there. Um, I mean, it was, it's interesting to see what goes on and what kinds of things they talk about. And they had a little, a good little conversation about Jakar and the Narn anger and, you know, showed a little bit of their relationship. But in the context of this episode, I'm, I'm curious to see if it pays off, um, in the next episode. Uh. I don't know, maybe just to give a little more. Bring just put it in there. About having to do slice negotiations. Of, slice of life on the station. Yeah. Right. Um, see. They were talking about her. I did Hello? like Mondo's mo- mon- uh, monologue, though. The shuttle is back on the station. Dr. Tasaki thinks that the seismic activity might have triggered some kind of automatic system. Dr. Tasaki is played by Jim Ishida. I saw that he was in Back to the Future 2 as Fujitsu and... He was in a direct, uh, the Arrested Development episode, bringing up Buster. I would say that he wasn't that great (laughs) of an actor. Yeah, he was, he was kind of the weak point of the episode. Yeah. Well, that whole shuttle crew, I mean, okay, the woman background was just there for, uh, yeah, yeah, but... I mean, even his other assistant, who kind of was up front in the pilot seats with him, was a bit wooden as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it was just a dialogue that they had to say. They weren't quite used to it, but I uh, it was pretty wooden, I would say. Yeah. Wait, are we in the part where they're in the shuttlecraft yet? Or no, this is before when they're getting ready to... Or no, he's just reporting to Ivanova. Yeah, this is after the initial trip, but before okay. the second trip. Wait, is he... Okay, so in the credits, there were two names, Drawl and Varn. I'm, ass- I'm assuming he's not Varn, because we never heard his first name. No. Varn must be the guy they pulled out at the end or something, because I don't know who else it would be. Because Drawl is the Mimbari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drawl yeah. is the mentor um, friend. Um, the Lynn seems to have a lot of good friends, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> well, it's hard not to think a lot of her. Yeah. I wonder how old she is. Like, you know, I wonder... In terms of like how the different ways that the races age, um, I wonder if we'll ever find out how old she is. So Doctor Tasaki is going to call his wife, among other things, that he thinks there's no better thing than to go out in the advancement of scientific knowledge. He has a science boner. (laughs) (laughs) The weirdest line, or the way he delivered it. <laughs> well, I missed the line about the boner. Yeah, Avonova's follow up was quite good. Uh, the thing is, later on, he says he's going to go and talk to his wife because he loves mysteries. Yeah. It, the two of them there together <laughs> with that attitude. <laughs> I'm surprised she was. She allowed him to just tell a civilian what was going on. But yeah, so, yeah he definitely doesn't have enough respect for Avonova yet. <laughs> 
No, not at this point. Yeah, even though I, that was something that we were, the, uh, my son and I were talking about. Is that she's, he's a civilian scientist and she's the military, but isn't he still, she's still his commanding officer, even though he's a civilian, since it is on a military base and it's a military mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Even though he's a civilian scientist. Right. Yeah. He can't just go out, do whatever, you know. They had to. She had to like set the parameters of the mission and everything. You see, instead of having him, why didn't they bring back um, the commander's girlfriend? That would have made more sense. Oh yeah, she could have done it. Yeah, I forgot about. She was off exploring somewhere else. (laughs) There's no money to be made there. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't want any more of those scenes anyway. No, we really didn't. <laughs> oh, I was listening to myself talk about the scenes, which listen to us talk about the scenes between her and Sinclair. And I, yeah. <sighs> yeah, we didn't want to go there again. <laughs> I'll take bad, bad, uh, whatever his face was name. Yeah, because at least you'd only have the scenes in the ship. With her, right. you'd also have the Sinclair scenes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back in the negotiations, Delenn and Londo come to some kind of agreement. Londo thinks it's better dealing with her than with Jakar, and they talk about how the Narn hate the uh, the Centauri, and the Centauri hate them back. And you know, he leaves, and Delenn and Sinclair talk about how they hope things will get better between the Narn and Centauri, basically. Yeah, yeah. and then she says um, something fairly ominous. We've not got so far. Scenes between Delenn and um, Delenn and Lando. Lando. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wanted maybe to call that was the purpose of the scene. Yeah, I, I wanted to call him Centauri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's just nice having interaction between those two. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, did like Lando's monologue. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not math on that one but <laughs> <laughs> well isn't it uh, like the whole thing of if the whole population of China jumped up and down in the same point either it called it would cause a tidal wave or something like that is that true it's, I don't know it's a serious Okay. But no, but I've heard that expression before somewhere. But I think it's a similar sort of thing, you know. And um, I actually, I've actually found some information on the Centaurian phase of none, and because we never specifically get the dates of this. Okay. Um, so the Centauri conquered uh, the Narn in twenty one oh nine. Okay. In the year 2109, and they gained independence in 2209. Oh, okay. So the Narn gained gained independence? Yeah. The Narn gained... So so 2209, that's basically um, 60 years... We have terrible terrible connection here. All right. um, Yeah. Okay, that's better. Been about 60 years. So they were enslaved for 60 years? No, they were enslaved for 100 years, for 100 years. Okay. Yeah, for 21. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. And they only gained their... I thought it had been longer, but... Yeah. Have we learned... Go ahead. Sorry? I can't remember if we we learned how they gained their independence. Did we learn that already? And I just am forgetting? No. Or is it something that we haven't learned yet? No, I haven't. Okay. But I think it's interesting that, you know, they 
you know, they were enslaved for 100 years and it's only been 50, 60 years. I'm not sure exactly on the date. I mean, because we're in 2260-something at the moment, aren't we? I think 2258, honestly. I should know this because it says it every time I watch the credits. I should, I should. (laughs) I just... Yeah, we're in 2258, isn't it? Yeah. So that's less than 100 years later? Well, yeah, they've only had their independence for 50... Less than 50 years. Right. So that makes sense that they're extremely... Because, like, their grandparents or... Well, I don't, I'm don't. i not clear on how long they live as either, but they certainly have a lot of people with living memory of it. Yeah, I would think so. And, they've, yeah, they've talked about that a couple times before, I think. Yeah. Well, um, Kodath had, had a conchard, didn't she? Her vengeance thing. And that was oh, her yeah. gran- mm-hmm. grandfather or her uncle, wasn't it? Or something like that. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, about yeah, it was like grandfather. Yeah, and so yeah, it's within living memory. Yeah, and we don't really know how bad the occupation was. I mean, it seems like it was bad in terms of like how they treated the Narn. Um, yeah, and how yeah. they left the planet after they left. Right, ravaged. Mm-hmm. Took all the. So maybe so they left still because very, nothing left. Sorry. Yeah, it's still very raw to them, and so I mean, it just gives you an idea of uh, Londo's statement there. You know, of how vehemently they hate them. It's because, for them, it only happened a short while ago. It's, you know. And they pretty much deserve to be hated, you know, for... The Centauri. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to go into another interest, but I don't know whether that's been brought up yet. So I'll sa- maybe save that for another time. All right. So in the CNC, they've done some tests, and what they're getting from the planet is a series of signals repeated at regular specified intervals, but they don't know what these signals mean. Dr. Sasaki wants to go back, and Sinclair says it's okay if they can find a way to get him down safely, and Susan's going to figure out how to do that in the morning. Then out of nowhere, Susan (laughs) starts asking about Mars Colony because they haven't seen any news. It just seemed kind of abrupt to me. I know they mentioned... Mars colony yes, once it before. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a plant. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Sinclair says it's probably just a glitch. They haven't, they haven't heard anything today. It would have made more sense coming from Garibaldi asking Sinclair this, saying he's been trying to get in touch with someone but he can't get through. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And he obviously probably monitors their news a lot more closely since he lived there not that long ago. And yeah, still has the attachments. And as we learn later on, Sinclair was born there, so both of them have that planet in common. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying... Well, I mean, since we're already talking about Mars, um, I'm just trying to picture what the Mars colony looks like, because I have no... I don't really have (laughs) any much knowledge about Mars. I mean, the climate. um, But I assume that people aren't just, like, walking around. (laughs) I mean, they they would have to... Go ahead. I say, did they did show a little bit of video? Um, I guess it was up on the wall screen, and you saw domes. Um, and I guess just from that, what I kind of imagined has anyone else read Red Mars by Ken Oh, Stanley yeah, Robinson? I love those books. I and love those books. Yeah, they, they were really good, and that's kind of in my head, I guess, how I always imagined it because I watched this. I mean, like, you know, uh, so I, I think of the dome, and they talk about all the um, actual place names as they're named, as we've named them now, um, and as they talk about them in the book, like Olympus Mons and Sirius Planum and and all of those. 
so so JMS didn't make up those names. Those are all the actual names of the formations on Mars. Mm. Okay, I missed the. I, I guess I didn't notice the domes. Where was that? It was in when they did the news story, and you just saw like the background. It was maybe just their set. It's just like a picture of one dome. That's really all you see. You see like the oh, red sky okay. in a dome. Yeah, it's you like on the wall screen. Briefly, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just imagining the way they're talking about it, and like how the reporter was. It was almost like he was in a war zone on Earth. It's interesting to me to to think about how they're doing this under like a structure or multiple structures, I guess. So that's all. Yeah. Oh, uh, do you want a bit of power on um, Mars? Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Mars was established as a colon. Uh, sorry, a military colony on twenty one forty eight. And then um, the first permanent con- colony was in 2155. Okay. Mm, okay. So it's been a colony for a little while. And uh, we're again in 2258. 58. So almost 100 years then? Yeah. Um, as I said before, with the other bit of information, we never really get these numbers specifically mentioned um but these these numbers are taken from other sources like um extra features on dvds and things like that so they are considered canon as much as you can consider things canon um and it also says that the population is estimated about two million two million wow okay i've i found your source ian (laughs) I would never have guessed that too much. I would have guessed a few thousand people. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that number, it was more than I had imagined myself, but it makes sense. It does? It says it at uh, 2261, the population was estimated. In yes. That, or at but, least that's the source that I just found, right? But that, that yeah, that's the same but, source. Right, it's all, ex- yeah. But that's an estimate you know three years away right. from where we are so it can't have been much less than that right wow that's uh, that's, that's quite the feat of engineering okay. yes well can also considering we've got about um seven million i mean seven billion on earth it, that's just a fraction of earth's population there yeah but we don't all have to live under domes and you know no we don't no uh, and a planet that can't grow our natural food um in its climate yeah. uh, i think also you know when you're in that situation and you there's two million of you there it, it's a powder keg really i mean you can imagine something like this blowing off if yeah you you're not that. sorry sorry go ahead Elizabeth. No, i was gonna say you're not gonna be able to go out and get some peace and quiet i mean you're not you're not going to be able to just go out on your own and find a homestead. I mean, you're, <laughs> you'd have to live with everybody else and there's not going to be a lot of, you know, space. Um, so yeah, I could see that it would be a powder keg. Yeah. I guess it's not also surprising though, that they want to fight for independence because that kind of is what humans do. I mean, over and over again. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it didn't, it didn't surprise me as like, like surprising that they would want independence from earth. Or at least a better deal, um, I guess, and you know their their uh, their relationship with them. 
Right. All we know at this point is that they have an Earth-appointed provisional government that they want independence from. We don't know if particularly reason if there was a reason that started that. Like if there's particular uh, certain points of contention that are, you know, differences yeah. at this point, right? At this point, we don't get the information though. Just they want to govern themselves. Okay. Well, good luck with that, Mars. <laughs> So next we see Delenn arrive at her quarters and she's uh, greeted by Drawl. I wrote down that she was deleted by Drawl, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> totally, totally different episode. Uh-oh. Uh, autocorrect. <laughs> if you listen to Intro to Bristol, you know a lot of times my notes are completely different from what actually happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I think it's a bit more important. <laughs> Not important as in the two shows against one another but you are meant to be one of the experts here Will. yeah uh, they're old friends apparently these two and they go into her quarters yeah he greets her with this funny question yeah the <laughs> bird something of something I don't remember. and I was wondering if it was like some kind of because he talks about self-sacrifice and I was just wondering if that's going to come up again Heidi <laughs> <laughs> um Next, we get a brief shot of some ships docking, which I just thought looked pretty weird. Um, I don't know why <laughs> the ships coming and going. And then we see Sinclair watching a report on the TV, and they get a breaking report about Mars Colony. It looks like an open revolt is in progress, and they cut to a live report from a reporter. And it turns out the gorillas are saying that they want independence or they're going to kill a lot of Earthers. Yeah, I have to say that the writing for this report was not the best. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like one of our overly dramatic reports. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I first watched it, I was kind of confused because for a second I thought they said um, President of the Colony or whatever the title was, was Takashima. And I thought, what? <laughs> well, Takashima's got a bit of a promotion there, hasn't she? <laughs> I did not hear that at all. I think I got a little confused about who they were talking about was making the statement and who was going to be killed. I had to rewind it. I'm like, oh, I get what they're saying now. The but that, just that they would kill people, right? Yeah, I think it was the president, the provisional governor was was saying well, that. that or, yeah, yeah, provisional governor was trying to calm people down and then there was a statement from the terrorist organization saying they're going to kill a lot of people. Yeah, first but I think was, I... Yeah, I think the first time I thought the provisional governor had said that he was going to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, the ISN reporter is the same one that was in TKO, apparently. Oh, okay. That was the best episode ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Sinclair turns off the report, and then he gets a vision of someone saying, Help me. And, of course, he doesn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> if that happened to me, I'd be running to the doctor, like, immediately. You know, he had got a whole chunk of missing memory. People have been interrogating him in secret yeah. because of it. Is he really going to report now seeing visions? Yeah, well, that's yeah. So I guess it's the next day. Yeah, he probably just figured he was working too hard. Yeah. Mm. He's tired. <laughs> So I guess it's the next day, and Susan and Sinclair, they're talking about the situation on Mars. This is where we find out that Sinclair grew up there. Okay, so we didn't know that before. No, Or no. that he was born there. 
No, I don't think we knew before. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if I just had forgotten it. Garibaldi's taking the news hard, and Sinclair starts to take, tell Ivanova about what he saw, but then he stops, and she tells him that the team has just started their investigation of Epsilon 3. I wanted to know what she was eating. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like uh, Jello or something. I miss that. Yeah. She had like this uh, little cup on a tray, and in the end, okay. Had, like, yeah. little chunks of something in there. Oh, yeah. I seem to remember thinking it looked kind of creepy. Sinclair was eating something yeah. not that great either. Kind of military canteen food, I think. Or weird alien food. Mm. Yeah. Next, Drawl and Delenn are in her quarters, and he thanks her for her hospitality. She wants to know why he's there. He starts talking about how the world is changing how he thinks their people are lost, and I guess there's a rift, a growing rift between the religious and warrior caste. But he tells her that he's going out to the sea. And she doesn't like it, you know, says that you're too young to go to the sea. He wanted so to- I was thinking, like, this reminded me of, what, the end of Lord Return of the, of the Kings. Kings. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah, right, I was right, yeah, the elves. Yeah, and um, it really does remind me of that as well. I, I yeah, think, was- you know... Uh, it, it, it's it's something I've see, I see in this and even slightly earlier on in the season there's a few other things that feel a bit Lord of the Rings-ish <laughs> but I think it's just because he's a big fan you know and they're sort of uh, like an elf-like or they seem I don't know I guess more like that species than any other Mm -hmm. We hadn't heard anything about the sea before, though, right? This was the first reference to that. Right. Yeah. I remember, yeah. It's it's still a nice concept, though. So that's what I was wondering. Like, the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, he's going to die or something. I I don't don't know. I still don't understand what's going, like, what that actually means. But then the second time he was saying something, like, I was listening again, and he said, Something about, you know, I could be more of help there or be... Yeah, just wants to find a place where he can be where he's needed. Yeah, so I don't know what that means. I'm confused. I guess it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to know exactly what he's talking about, but... He also sounded a little bit like kind of every older generation that says, Oh, those young people, they're not (laughs) doing things like we are, and... You don't know, like, is this the first yes. time the old people have said this, or do they say this every generation? Mm. Right. Yeah, because he was also saying, you know, about how, um, talking about the, I guess, division between the two yeah. casts. There's tension at home, yeah. basically. I've been listening to this auto or, or biography of John Adams, and it's just kind of neat how alike people were back then as they are now. Some of the same thoughts that he had or thoughts that people have now. Hmm. He would disapprove of some things now. Yeah, he would. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He'd be the same guy. (laughs) But no, it makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen there. I mean, clearly, you know, I think it's not a coincidence that we just had an episode where we saw both the religious and the military casts, and now we're talking about it again, so... I'm sure we're going to see more about that. Oh, um, did you notice an indication of the episode order kind of being switched around a bit in this episode? Hmm. The no. thing Delenn's been building doesn't seem to be around at the moment. Yeah, I was looking for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah, I didn't see it, but I didn't really think about it. 
I, the table for it is in the background, but it's not okay. got much on it at the moment. <laughs> I think there might be one or two pieces on the corner, but that's about it. So was so, this episode shot earlier? Uh, well, I don't... Because I, I didn't read that in the notes. Yeah, I did. We, didn't um, you say the last episode was meant to be shown after this one? Yeah, it was yeah, supposed yeah, to be that next to last. So... Yeah, the order they shoot them isn't necessarily the order that they mean them to air because I just so happened to look up during the closing credits and I saw on the screen production code 120. I had never noticed that before. Ah. Uh, so it was the 20. For this one? Yeah. So would this was supposed to be the second to last episode? No, the last one was supposed to be second oh, to this, last. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. So in okay. that episode, her her stuff was out. Uh, this whatever it is i don't know her pieces triangles her lego and it set. was yeah her lego set and it was coming together <laughs> and then this one that was shot earlier meant to air earlier okay got it i know i think it may have been shot later but meant to air earlier i'm not sure <laughs> how confusing it's just, yes it's, <laughs> yeah very it's just a production quirk really isn't it yeah unless it means something ian i don't know <laughs> it may do Maybe yeah. she's gone and hidden it in the other room. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't out, and then when it was supposed to air later, it was all put together for something that was happening after that. I don't know. Mm. Apparently it doesn't matter, because they just <laughs> changed the order. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So we found out, oh, they said Mimbar again, right? Or was that the first time they said Mimbar? I think it may have been the, the first time, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It is the home world of... Minbari, Minbari. Slightly disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I guess it was last week you were saying it hadn't been mentioned before. And I was thinking, really? But yeah. I Yeah. yeah. I don't know what else it could have been called, but... <laughs> Delayed realizes that when he leaves, she'll never see him again. And Drawl just wants to catch up while they still have time. That's sad. I was like... Yeah. It made me think about like that and just like in life, you know, do you really want to know if it's the last time you're going to see somebody or not, you know? Yeah. On one hand, you want to make your time with them count, but otherwise, but then it's going to be sad. Yeah, Yeah, I really liked the part when she's saying she's going to tell him stuff, and then right as she's finished, as he's saying his lines, she gives him this look from, you know, this sideways glance that, you know, She's clearly upset, but he can't see it. You know, it's it's just for the audience. Yeah, yeah she's trying to hide it just to make him happy. Yeah, and so it's yeah. She she was good this episode. She was. She's always good. I like. Yeah, her. that's true. Yeah. Next, we see Garibaldi trying to get a signal out to Mars Colony, but there's a communications blackout, so he can't get through. Yeah, what did you guys think about this? I I mean. Yeah. In this case, they had to bring up somebody we've never heard about, you know, to give us a reason to try to... I don't know what the purpose of this was, honestly. I mean, just to keep track of what's going on on Mars, but then we also brought the Psychor in, and then we got a little bit of interaction between Garibaldi and Londo, so... I mean, it was interesting. Um, and Garibaldi and Talia. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah Garibaldi well. and Talia. <laughs> yeah. But no, we're just for also... William. We're already getting movement on things they set up earlier in the season. So, you know, earlier in the season, they were talking about uh, trouble on Mars. I mean, even just a few episodes ago in Eyes, they were saying things about... Oh, no, about, I, I don't um, mean the Mars thing. I just mean, like, doing it through the lens of Garibaldi's ex Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, I was just trying to say that, that they're already trying to answer some questions. 
even though they're very minor ones, you know, showing stuff. But yeah, Garibaldi's X, it's an interesting way of doing things. We also yeah. find out that he is is really a pretty good investigator and is maybe even sneakier than we thought that he knew about the Psychor <laughs> place mm-hmm. on Mars, which is obviously yeah. super, super secret, which is kind of... Because you know he's a pretty good investigator, but you don't really, you know, you don't really have that much to go on. And he found and out. And it clearly does seem like a super secret base, given what the woman says later on. I know what you're going to say, Will. Yeah. <laughs> he found out more about Sinclair than Sinclair did in four months. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how he found it out, but now we're kind of getting the picture. <laughs> Man, every episode should be Garibaldi investigating the hole in Sinclair's <laughs> mind. <laughs> just thinking about the way Garibaldi went about this here, perhaps... He just owes a lot of people favours or does favours for a lot of people to call him in. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I wonder if Lisa's make... going to show up or if she's dead. <laughs> I don't know. If she was dead, that'd be kind of... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. If she, was, if she was dead, that'd be kind of... I don't know. Harsh. <laughs> it was just like you bring her up and, and then now she... Okay, she's dead. <laughs> never mind. We never see her. <laughs> yeah. And next, Susan is briefing the science team. She reminds them that the star theories are designed for space and shouldn't go too low into the atmosphere. Foreshadowing. Should, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see Londo talking to Sinclair. He wants to know if they find anything valuable down there. And then the star <laughs> theories. Of course the he does. Launch. There's a yeah. g- great line there. <laughs> that was all Londo. Of course he wants to know what's valuable. And then we see Garibaldi, he goes to see Talia, and he explains that before he came to B5, he was involved with someone named Lise Hampton. It was serious, but when he came to B5, he asked her to come with him, and she said no and got angry, and he hasn't spoken to her since then. He's been wanting to call her for two years, well, but (laughs) he didn't (laughs) think she'd want to hear from him. So he wants Talia to use some secret psychor channels to communicate with Mars Colony, and she agrees to try, at least. Yeah, she was nice about it. Yeah. I don't hate Talia. <laughs> it was basically, oh, you're not stalking me at the moment. Yes, I'll help you. Yeah. Anything to get you together with this lady. Yeah, oh, yeah she was thrilled that he has an ex-girlfriend. He's like, yeah, bring her yeah. here. <laughs> The next Dr. Tasaki ignores Ibanaba and tries to go lower to get some readings. He, uh, he was pretty much already low. We were fired at, so. Yeah, these missiles get launched from the planet and one of them hits the shuttle. And, yeah. sir, no, go ahead. I was just saying, this was kind of a low point of the CGI or the special effects in the episode was the shaking shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was it was it was kind of hokey, but even though I, I was reading like in JMSO notes, he was really very proud of the um of the CGI in this episode, which I know for the time was was very good, but the shaking shuttle kind of bothered me. Yeah. Well, the my bar for early special effects and uh, and visual effects is if I can figure out what's going on, it's fine. And this episode, yeah, I, at least I could figure out what was going on. Sometimes, like uh, the Battle of the Line, I did not. Could not put spatial <laughs> things together. Oh, like okay. I didn't know where I was in space, you know. So here, sense. at least I could figure yeah. out sort of what was happening. 
Yeah, that's true. Keep reusing mm. that battle of the line scene. There was one part in this episode which I'm pretty sure us we've seen once before, like in the docking area when the one guy is floating around doing something. In oh, this episode? Yeah. yeah. Mm, floating yeah. around. I missed that. He was in the like, yeah, he was in a suit doing something. Maybe he wasn't floating, but he was he's in Yeah, a I think suit. I feel like I'd seen that one multiple times. Yeah. Like it's a shot they reuse. Oh, maybe if I saw it I'd recognize it. I, I yeah. can't picture it in my mind right now. The fighters can't reach the shuttle, of course, but they do manage to destroy the missiles. So Ivanova gives them some instructions on how to get clear of the atmosphere and the missiles. And on the way back, she tells them what to think about. And <laughs> there's an audience in the CNC <laughs> listening while she's... So are we going to fight for this quote? <laughs> <laughs> I want to leave I, I that up to you. I let you guys fight for it because I, I knew other people would want it. But uh, it was funny the people that were listening to her, and then she turns around and be like, "Oh no, I wasn't listening." Yeah, (laughs) yeah, they all are just there, all in terror. (laughs) Yeah, if you can't tell that quote, it's one of the ones people remember from season one. That's the season (laughs) one part of a quote. Yeah. The director wanted to cut the part that she says after she does her mantra, but JMS wanted, you know, felt that they really needed that because it played with her character perfectly. Oh, her little apology? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a nice code to it. It's just, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't yeah. really take herself too seriously. So back on B5, Dr. Tasaki says that the missiles came from a fissure and that was probably opened by the quakes. Mm-hmm. And they think the missiles are from a defense system and something important must be down there. It could be a threat to the station, and it's a potential first contact situation. So Sinclair and Ivanova have to go check it out. At first, I thought it was weird that Sinclair and Ivanova were going, but then I read some of the notes on the Lurker's Guide where... Oh, please share, because I think it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I've got that open. Or, Will, do you also have it open to read? Um, yeah, I have some of it. I was uh, Basically, he was saying, first contact, you don't want junior officers going down there because they could screw it up because... The Earth-Minbari war started because of an accident, so Earth Alliance would rather risk losing two officers than start another war due to a misunderstanding. Well, they didn't even run it by them. Sorry? I mean, they didn't run it by Earth Alliance, did they? No, but I guess that's their policy or their... Or that's how they wanted to interpret it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it it perhaps needed a mind level officer to do it but Sinclair was it's first contact protocol I want to do this yeah that's the I that's yeah how that I was kind of how I felt it yeah but under the regulations he could have just yeah he could have just let a fun of a go down but he was too excited he wanted to go do it himself okay so you wouldn't want to send a single person down on a mission like that because if yeah. they got injured yeah I mean you'd have to have two people flying the shuttle um, right. But it, yeah, yeah, it seemed, sure. He seemed excited to want to go down, though. But yeah, but I thought it was interesting, though, that JMS did have a reason for it. Because, yeah, when I was watching with my son, he was like, yeah, it's completely lame. You could, you'd never send the two commanding officers down. Yeah. It's like, well, except for the original Star Trek. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I like that he explained it. And he kind of, yeah, and it kind of went by quickly in the episode. Like quickly enough that you'd miss it unless right, you were listening closely. All of a yeah. sudden, they're on the on the ship, and you're like, "Wait, how did this happen?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, now I'm like that. Rem- that you, you remind you brought up the uh, Mimbari thing where Ducat was killed. I want to know what kind of accident killed him. <laughs> what kind of? Oops. 
<laughs> oh well. <laughs> bad diplomacy. Start a war. <laughs> so, so down in the Zocalo, Garibaldi said, "Oh, Elando comes Aww. over, trying to drown his sorrows in a glass of water." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work as yeah. Well. And Londo, there is some funny stuff in this episode. Londo tells a story about someone he was preoccupied with when he was younger and ended up marrying her, and that cheers up Garibaldi. And I think I, I think I'm, I, I feel like a like a bad viewer of the show because Londo does not do it for me. I don't know if it's the way he hmm. reads his lines, or sometimes he talks very slowly. Um, or emphasizes the accent, and there's something about it that I just... Oh, wow. Breaking up a ...find him as enjoyable as a lot of most people, yeah, pretty just, much everybody yeah. but me does. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Okay. That's okay. I don't, I don't want to... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think we got the gist. Yeah. I did like that scene. So Londo leaves and Garibaldi has to pay for Londo's drink. <laughs> so the bartender... I think her name is Kat. Yeah. Played by Catherine Cressida. She does a lot of voice work. Yeah, if you watch the show Dexter's Laboratory, she did the voice of Dee Dee. I never watched the show, but a lot of people like the show. I haven't seen it. So Lando nope. is walking through the corridor, and he also sees the guy saying, Help me. Yeah. I, was, I didn't know what to creepy. think when I was... Yeah. So Susan and Sinclair are on their way to Epsilon 3, and they're being escorted by Star Furies. They make their way through the fissure. And I love the physics here where he was saying it's going to take us two miles to decelerate, so we <laughs> hope we have enough room for that. Well, this scene was, I mean, they were so calm because they were going so fast that she was saying, like, you know, three miles, 3.5 miles. You know, like in seconds, they were covering a mile. Yeah. And uh, mm. in the middle of uh, this dark fissure in the ground with an atmosphere, probably. I mean, so it's, it's not like it's just like they're going through space, right? They're right. they're going to be able to feel the speed that they're going. So there's going to be some resistance, some wind resistance or some, you know, atmospheric resistance because you, you yeah. you're on a planet. You're not in the in in space. So that was like, wow, that's I think she had like you could kind of see like she was using a uh I don't know, echolocation or <laughs> some some kind of monitor to see what was in front of them. But they yeah. seem to be really close to the walls <laughs> of the cavern. So I was like, wow, that was crazy. You noticed they were strapped in as well? Uh, I wasn't I really noticing. Yeah, they yeah were I noticed how in. they unstrapped at the end, right, right before they get out. Yeah, I think that's another indication... That you know, it's difficult to generate gravity uh, at the moment for Earth ships, uh, and so a shuttle like this and um, Star Furies don't generate gravity, so you need to be strapped in. Oh, cool. So they land, there are no life signs, uh, and the atmosphere isn't breathable for them. Back on the station, Talia's hit a roadblock. The Psychor doesn't even want to admit that that facility on Mars even exists. But we Things are pretty bad on Mars. Why is this thing beeping? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, they. no one knew that Free Mars was that well organized. And the Psychor rep that Talia's talking to does agree to find out if Lise Hampton is on the list of wounded. Okay, it's Lise? Okay. Yeah, L-I-S-E. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. 
So back on Epsilon 3, Sinclair and Ivanova are exploring. They see a dead body and almost walk into a trap, but Sinclair knew it was there somehow. This reminded me of like an Indiana Jones scene for some yes. reason. Yeah, it was bad. That that was kind of neat. Yeah, we were noticing uh, uh, you know the alien who was dead kind of had a strange shaped head and maybe been wearing armor, and so you kind of wonder like what what the heck was he doing down there? Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. He had like a kind of more a wider head that kind of narrow like was more triangular shaped and not. Not triangles like my triangles, <laughs> <laughs> just like it was an alien type skull and uh, a military. I, I thought it was military style uniform, but it definitely was a more of a uniform type thing. Yeah, I mean a uniform. You know, it, it looked like it would had an official function. They figure out how to get past this trap, barely making it, and then they find themselves on a bridge before a really impressive sight. What you yeah, think, Elizabeth, when you first saw this. <laughs> Well, uh, it, was, it reminded me, I guess, of a couple um, different, you know, not specifically, but, you know, there's kind of that trope of when you finally see like the mothership or, you know, something like that. It reminded me of like a gi- giant alien mothership, you know, how you would yeah. see in a sci-fi movie, like, like, or in like Battlestar Galactica or something, you know, like. So it was interesting. Right. I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. I, it was really hard to figure mm-hmm. out what I was seeing. I, it, I saw some like symbols and stuff, or some pattern on the wall, and then just like what looked like looked like an elevator. I don't know what it was, and then it would just it would. He said it was like ten to twenty miles deep. So yeah, yeah um, I'm not necessarily afraid of heights, but that bridge didn't have any rails, and <laughs> I'm not sure how wide it was. That'd be uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Ivanova. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. with Ivanova. What she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was also thinking BSG when I saw this scene. Like something that looks something from there. I can't put my yeah, finger on it though. Yeah, I can't think of the scene, but yeah. And JMS in his note said it. It's it was similar to some like classic sci-fi movie that I don't know if I've even seen. Yeah, Forbidden like, Planet. Yeah, I can't remember if I've even seen it or not. Yeah, they did like three versions of this scene and they found they picked the one that they thought looked best and they thought people were going to say that they were ripping off Forbidden Planet, but you know, they liked this scene so they just went with it. Yeah, I mean it clearly it looks like it's been there a long time. I mean, in terms of like how long it would have taken to create it. And since there was no well, I guess there was one living thing there, but yeah, I know it's very. It was very cool looking. I yeah. I'm intrigued. So back on B five, Dylan takes Drawl to meet Londa, who's doing a little studying on Earthers, and he's discovered <laughs> the Hokey Pokey, and he's been studying it for <laughs> seven days and hasn't figured it out yet. And Drawl liked the song. Okay, so, so Elizabeth, when you when he said like I've been studying this song from uh, English or or uh, human culture, what song did you think he was gonna say? Did I was you have thinking, a guess? Oh, I think I think in my head I was thinking something like, um, oh, some uh, like, um, oh, I did have something in my head. It was like a nursery song, but now I can't remember what I was thinking. Uh, it wasn't the hokey pokey. Yeah, I know. I was thinking because I actually didn't remember until he started singing it. I was thinking like the you know the traditional lullaby song, um, yeah, or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah. I was. I had. Yeah, something in my head popped up, but then you know, then he said it, so <laughs> it went away. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. I've never. I don't. I didn't. Are those the actual words? The hokey pokey. That's yeah, I think yes, yeah. Okay, I, I, a variation. I wrong when I was a kid. <laughs> I I don't know whether it's a variation. I just learned as a kid. A difference in US to UK, but I always learned it as a kid as the hokey pokey. With a K? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that must be... Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe there are a couple of variants out there, but that's the one I learned. Okay, yes. I just looked it up. So he kind of condensed the song into, like, one verse when it really is, like, six or seven different verses with different parts of your body. <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I remember it was much longer, but you get the impression of the song. It'd be a bit much to have him sing whole. Uh, no, I know that. I know that. I just what I do. Not my whole life. I'm only singing. Yeah, I didn't mean to sound like I was talking down. I meant yeah. I just meant long song. Does this thing have any point other than this shows how or just make us laugh? I guess other than shows how Lando singing a weird human song. I don't know. It was a funny thing, though. With the... They all just seem obsessed with humans. Why would he spend a week yeah. studying <laughs> a song, <laughs> a human song? Yeah. Or, or he finds them mysterious and he can't figure it out. Right. I think... Yeah. I think... Sorry, Elizabeth. Go ahead. No, because somebody else said that recently about um, humans as well in another episode. Was it him or was it Delenn? Somebody said it. Can't figure out humans. I think it was I Delenn. Think, I but... think it, um... I don't know. I think, actually, it might have been, um... Jakar saying something to Delenn, okay. and Delenn kind of agreed with it. Okay. Yeah, um... But I think this whole thing has something to do with... They're on the station full of humans. They're interacting daily with whereas before they might not have done that so much. And so it's, okay... Every day they're saying something and they'll throw something out there that you just don't understand or is completely contradictory to what you thought they were saying. So, yeah, they do, you'd end up researching things like this. They just don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, think, I mean, just think about English and the uh, quirks English, uh, English has, let alone our entire species. Right, yeah. even understanding someone from a different culture. They say things all the time that you don't get yeah and then just how they religions um you know has all these i mean endless religions and most of the other cultures are presenting like one or two um religions of their world so anyways yeah so in cnc garibaldi's in charge wow <laughs> <laughs> They can't get through to Sinclair and Ivanova. Talia comes and tells Garibaldi that Lise Hampton isn't on the list of survivors. Could be that something's happened to her, but Garibaldi knows that she's all right. Just knows it somehow. <laughs> they get a signal from Epsilon 3. Sinclair and Ivanova have found machines as biggest buildings all around them. And then B5 picks up some more seismic activity. Garibaldi tells them to get out and they lose the signal. So next, Susan and Sinclair see a guy, a vision of a guy asking for help, and this is where Sinclair tells Ivanova about seeing the guy on the station. 
Sinclair and Ivanova go into a room and they see that guy strapped into a machine. He says, help me or your people will die. Why will they die? And what people is he talking about? Is he just talking about people on Babylon 5 or like all Earth people? <laughs> mm. Or the whole universe, I don't know. Yeah. Very strange. Next, he's, after the commercial, he's still asking for help. Sinclair wants to get him out, but Susan says they don't have time. They do free him, and they get in the shuttle to leave. The fighters protect them as they leave the atmosphere. And then a ship starts to come through the jump gate. I guess it's so big that Clara and Clarence had to both warn Garibaldi. They both got their, <laughs> they both got their line in this week. Yay. Yeah, so Garibaldi... Uh, what, was, uh, was Clara upset that this new guy is muscling in and just to blurt out the information before he <laughs> finish yeah. giving his report? I think Clara got two lines in this week. She, I think she's probably yeah. higher on the totem pole than him. Yeah. Garibaldi looks at his computer and says, What the hell? And to be continued. Oh, wait. What is it? What did he see? <laughs> so, just some notes. Uh, yeah, this was their most ambitious episode from a CGI point of view. JMS says that this was always intended to be a two-parter. And JMS said that he does love monologues. We've heard some long monologues. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he says they are a legitimate part of any drama. The MTV generation has had its taste so thoroughly bastardized by quick cuts, lowering the attention span further and further that any bite of more than 10 seconds and they start to wander, it becomes a block of words and they blur out. Yeah, it sounds like me. <laughs> like drawn. <laughs> yeah. And Bill Blair play an alien in this episode again. <laughs> Another alien. So those are all my notes. I didn't write... There are a lot of good quotes in this week. Let's do quotes of the week. I didn't write down any many. So I was hoping other people would get them. <laughs> do I've, we have any quotes? What else want to do the Ivanova one? No, go ahead. Okay. Um... All right, so Ivanova. Confirm, Survey 1. Upon arrival, you will report for debriefing. And just one more thing. On your trip back, I'd like you to take the time to learn the Babylon 5 mantra. Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova. I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations. Ivanova is God. And if this ever happens again, Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out. Babylon control out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. No offense. (laughs) <laughs> I like that mantra. Yeah, it's a log one. It can't really be put on a knitted on a pillow or anything or stitch on a pillow, but yeah. it's a good one. <laughs> Anybody I mean, I had one I didn't do the whole quote, but I like Rolando said, Here we are, victims of mathematics. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead, Ian. All stood in one place and hated at the same time. That hatred could fly across a dozen's light years and reduce Centauri Prime to a ball of ash. So Ivanova says, Commander, I think I've got to go to the bathroom. Sinclair, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I have that one as well. All right. Well, I think for some reason, the most amusing Londo line to me was the one where he come in at the end of his joke. And he's like, uh, and he says, goulash, get it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. 
I know. I, I like his. Why? Why is it? Um, is he talking about the a gulag? Talking about a Russian prison? I think it's a oh. gulag, like the food. The same one Mulder escaped yeah. from that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's actually recounting that episode. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually got um one more of one. She's got a few quotes this episode. She does. It's a Russian thing. We're about to do something stupid. We'd like to catalogue the full length of our stupidity. A future reference. Yeah, I love that one. I love all her Russian. So how about our characters of the week? (laughs) 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 Who's our Um, human of the week? Ivanova, I guess? She was funny. I had a lot of the two. Yeah, she had some really good lines this week. Yeah. Yeah. Her great Russian-ness. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, okay, Ivanova, how about our alien of the week? I'd like to go for Delenn, I think. I had Londo because I really liked his scenes, but I liked Delenn a lot as well. Yeah, I had Londo, but I could go either way. Um, I I would go for Delenn or or even Drawl. He was kind of kind of a interesting cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want to say Delenn or or Londo? I guess he was amusing <laughs> for, for being Londo. Is it going to be? <laughs> I guess Delin, we've all uh, kind of said we were okay with Delin. Yeah. All right. Delin, repeat winner, second week in a row. Mm-hmm. Is Ivanova winning for human overall? I think she's tied with Sinc- Well, oh, okay. she's winning now with this week. Okay. Yes, yeah. she is now. All right, let's do some episode ratings. So you want to start us off, Lori? Oh, um, okay. Um, oh, gosh. I just I realized I forgot to... Uh... Okay, I just thought of one. Okay, I'm gonna do um, seven out of ten human uh, children songs because um, I liked the episode. I thought there were a lot of good lines, um, a lot of good quotes, um, but it was kind of building, obviously, to the next episode. Um, and but you did get a lot of good, you know, background, little background on Mars, a little more background on the Mimbari. So, but but kind of a mix. Cool. Is that seven point five? Uh, seven, seven out seven. of ten. Okay. How about you, Elizabeth? I agree with Lori. Um, I thought it was a good setup for, um, you know, a good first half of a two-parter in terms of, you know, clearly we want to know what's going to happen. Um, so, and I enjoyed Drawl. Um, and I always like seeing more of Delenn and backstory there. Um, I didn't care that much about what was going on with Garibaldi, um, but maybe we'll find, you know, maybe we'll meet um, Lise in the future. So that w- that could be a good start for her. So, yeah, I'm very intrigued. And I I think we're going to watch it tomorrow, which I'm very excited. Um, yeah, I am too. As our commentary. <laughs> Excellent. So I would give it um, a seven m- mantras. Cool. <laughs> what do you say, Ian? Yeah, I'm on the same wavelength, really. It's got some interesting bits in it, you know. I'll meet. To be honest, I'm not that keen on the secondary storyline um, just because of how it's done through second-hand reports and it doesn't feel that personal at the moment. That could change in the next episode, but for this episode of this two-parter, the exciting stuff is the primary storyline and the character development we're getting with Delenn and Raul. So I'm going to say 7 out of 10 godlike lieutenant commanders. (laughs) Uh, Cool. 
Well, I think I enjoyed the episode more than you guys did. Um, I liked, there were some funny scenes. I liked the Londo Garibaldi scene. I liked the stuff with Ivanova. And I liked the mystery about what's going on down on the planet. So I gave it 8 out of 10 fissures. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just, uh, I just didn't think it had enough weight, you know, to be like an outstanding episode. So, yeah. Okay, well, so far we have a 7.25. We'll add in Heidi's score later. All right. So how about we jump on our brooms and fly (laughs) to Feedback Land? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guys, guess what? What? We got a voicemail this week. Oh, my God. Ooh, oh, yes. voicemail. <laughs> okay. Greetings down below. My name's Elaine. Quick summary. Longtime fan of BAP5. Uh, just found out about your podcast recently. Finally caught up, and hopefully I get this in in enough time for the episode. Okay, some of this commentary was recorded while watching the episode, and a few notes I'm recording and putting in after the fact, so I apologize if the volume doesn't balance out properly. Ah, Talia, and not wearing the same wig as last week, thank God. (laughs) The transport tube thing's pretty good as a joke, but it's also pretty good uh, nod from the producers that... Yeah, we're paying attention to the small stuff. Don't worry about it. And once again, we get more of background story coming into full play. They've been talking about Mars off and on for several episodes now, and the whole thing apparently has just blown up in their faces. <laughs> and the ISN bit looks very much like the old CNN reports during the Gulf War, almost. Very nicely done. <laughs> The Babylon 5 mantra apparently gets referenced far too often in fandom, but basically that's just because Ivanova is just that awesome. (laughs) She is. She really is. So, Force Protocol for possible first contact situations requires two command level personnel to be present. This is pretty logical, considering that with command level personnel, you have individuals with several years of experience, who have been trained in diplomacy and have met and interacted with beings from other worlds before. Ah, you gotta love Londo. When given the choice between being a good friend and, uh, catching a free drink off somebody, he goes and thinks, well, why can't I do both? (laughs) Ah, the laser hall trap. Did any other Whovians watching this ever think about that scene from The Five Doctors and the Chessboard of Death? I hope you got your sums right. And they've walked onto the set of Tron. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And another bit of background. They managed to analyze the air on the planet well enough to to supply it when they took the alien (laughs) off-world. So that's what I have for this week, and hopefully by next week I'll do a better job of it. Catch you later. Uh, thanks, Elaine. Wow, that was great. Thank you. Yay. Yeah, thanks for yeah. the feedback. Yeah, um, yeah, I did think of uh, Doctor in that. 
But not that Doctor Who scene. I thought of a new Who scene basically in The Doctor's Daughter. I was half expecting during that scene for one of her when she ran through to actually do backflips through the ladders. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> I know, know if any of you have seen The Doctor's Daughter. Yeah. No, I haven't. I know I have, but yeah, I... I... All right, cool. I love voicemail. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's great to get it. Well, we are bristling with feedback and feedback land this week. I don't know if it was because of the episode or because I threatened war. <laughs> it, could be, it could be the second. <laughs> uh, next, we have comments on our website. I'll take these the comments on our website. Um, First, judgmental B5 expert says, please, dear God, do a comment, do a commentary for the final ep of the season. Well, I am, I, I'm fine with that. If, you know, whoever else wants to be on it is fine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that would be a good one for you guys to join us, like to have a whole, to all of us do it or if we can arrange it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. It's going to be more of a challenge for Will and myself, but we're up for it. In terms of keeping spoiler free. I think so. I, I, I'm just expecting doing a commentary harder than doing a review. Uh, and next, Vort99 says, So, A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1. Not much point in saying much about this minus Part 2, and I don't trust myself to remember accurately what's in Part 1 as distinct from Part 2. So I will indulge the single most nitpicky objection that I have to anything in B5. I hate, hate, hate that Drawl has a beard. <laughs> okay. So oh, you, yeah. So you can't make alien races really alien on TV due to the annoying lack of alien actors to play them, but hairlessness, that you can do. Um, before you go any further, who says it's hair he's got on his face? What if it's actually something else? What if, you know, they've got some other type of thing that looks like hair? To humans, but it's actually some sort of other type of growth. Uh, in the same place on the face that a beard would be. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> so, back to legacies and your interesting treatment of telepath debate. On paper, I don't think requiring PsyCorp membership looks that burdensome. Members have a variety of careers open to them, if not the military. The main requirement on paper seems to be that telepaths are expected to dress distinctively. At any rate, Talia seems never to be in public without her badge and gloves. That's not insane. Non-telepaths arguably should have a right to know if they're in the presence of someone who can read their mind. Also, and this is a big and perhaps implausible conception, telepaths police their own without the involvement of non-telepaths. So if you do make a mistake, your case will be investigated by someone in a position to understand. What's the problem, assuming that you don't know about the secret experiments to create a super assassins? Well, there's the sinister name and the fact that they dress their psychor like Nazis. Psychops. Psychops like Nazis. Mm-hmm. For people who really do know how other people think, they're, ter- they're terrible at PR. Good point, they are. Yeah. Hmm. You would think they'd be better. And later, Board 99 says, Judgmental B5 expert, I'm not sure if I'd want God to do a commentary, but if you're <laughs> saying that you want Heidi and Elizabeth to do one, I'll second that proposal. We will try and get God. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if Ivanova is available. <laughs> we uh, so we'll next... end up the transmission. <laughs> Gold channel oil. <laughs> yeah. 
Next, we have emails. Our first email is from Bob, who wants to take Bob's email. I can take that. Go ahead. So, from Bob, I liked this episode a lot. At the end of part one, still have no idea where it is going. I guess we've got confirmation of the Membari world being member. Someone yep. had asked about that earlier. Ivanova's B5 mantra may have been my single favourite moment of the entire series so far. <laughs> Good judgment there, yeah. Bob. Good judgment. Yeah. London's bewilderment at the Hokey Pokey was also excellent. Sinclair, of course, makes the traditional Star Trek mistake of taking his second in command with him to a dangerous planet. Although it looks like they escape, this leaves Garibaldi in position to be ready confused to be ready, confused at whatever's coming through the jump gate. Okay, now I've sent him feedback. I'm off to watch part two. Bob DeGrant. Cheers, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> and thanks everybody from the website. I didn't say it already. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for all that. We've got some great feedback in this week. Our next email is from Mitch from Omaha. Wanna take that, Elizabeth? Sure. All right, Mitch from Omaha. Hey guys, I'm trying to get caught up on my podcast and listen to the cast for Grail on the way to work this morning. I have a few comments. If they've already been addressed in later episodes, feel free to ignore me. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one, I know it wasn't meant that way, but it felt as though the guys and those who sent in feedback were ganging up on the girls. <laughs> I'm fairly sure every one of us saw this episode for the first time and were taken in by the fake Kosh. Why mock the newbies for uh, for falling for the same thing we fell for during our first viewing? Okay. Oh, well, we didn't take it that way. We didn't um, take it that sorry, way. Sorry, Elizabeth. Yeah. I was over there. Uh, <laughs> I did mean it that way so. myself. Yeah, I did. I know I was taken in, too. <laughs> I was trying to say that people in the B5 universe should have known, but it sounded like I was making fun of Heidi and Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Will is just terrible to us all the time. Yes, I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Verbally abusive. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's all good. It's all good. Uh, number two, when trying to sell the series originally, JMS commissioned an artist to create the look and feel of the station and it, it and, excuse me, and its inhabitants. Most series have this sort of thing done. It's called conceptual artwork. The B5 script books featured this artwork on several of their covers. That artist was the late Peter Ledger. Why do I bring this up? Peter's wife, Christy Marks, wrote this episode. Oh, that's interesting. Um, when creating B5, JMS didn't think of the legal system. Oh, okay. The concept of ombuds and the justice system aboard the station were suggested by Harlan Ellison. Awesome. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Richard, uh, sorry, number four. Richard Compton directed the pilot movie in several episodes of the series. This was his last. He was fired during the filming. I've spoken with several of the actors who were in this episode, and they all describe roughly the same thing. They directed themselves. Compton showed up for the paycheck and left everyone to their own devices. It's a testament to just how good the actors were that the episode turned out as well as it did. Hmm. Interesting. Why? It was fi uh, fired I during used... filming of the episode. Hmm. Yeah. Does he mean Grail or this episode? I think he. Means I think Grail, he's talking about Grail. Yeah. 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 Um, and we we enjoyed the acting in that episode actually. Yeah. Um, number five, Delenn doesn't care what, whether the seeker's search is in vain or silly or anything. She sees only a true seeker, one who has faith in his quest. At the end of the episode, she hands Thomas a crystal and tells him to crush it at uh, Gaiach's burial site so it would glow and show the universe that here lies a true seeker. 
Even though she's a girl, I kind of fell in love with her in that moment. Aw. <laughs> Until we meet again, Mitch from Omaha. Well, thanks, Mitch. Cheers, Mitch. Right. Very good, thanks, Mitch. Good information. Cool. Our next email is from Victor. I'll read Victor's email. This episode begins with Garibaldi annoying Talia, which is ironic because she is the one person whose help he will need to contact the Mars colony. <laughs> I enjoy their scenes together because they were married, and I always wonder how much is acting and how much is real. Uh, this week, the planet below the station starts hiccuping, and they send a ship to investigate. Has Epsilon 3 been there all along, and I never noticed it? I have to start paying more attention because I didn't even remember the planet was there. Now I'm just imagining them trying to get the planet to drink a glass of water backwards if it's hiccuping. <laughs> Isn't that one of the cures? <laughs> the ship runs into trouble when the uninhabited world starts firing beams and missiles and it barely makes it back to Babylon 5. This is where we learn the Babylon 5 mantra. Ivanova is always right. Based, <laughs> based on the sketchy information provided by the scientists, who are probably too busy cleaning out their underwear to make any accurate scans <laughs> of the planet. <laughs> they should send some unmanned drones or robot probes to investigate further. Probably the dumbest thing they could do would be to put their two highest-ranking officers in the same ship and have them fly down to an unexplored and hostile world through the teeth of its defenses and then go underground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, of course, that's what they do, without even bringing some red shirts along to spring any booby traps they might find. <laughs> mm. Also in this episode, Happy Londo is back, regaling Garibaldi with tales of his wife, the Battle Axe, whose voice could curdle milk. Lando! <laughs> I think he's more, Lando! <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Later, Lando will be less happy when he tries to analyze the hokey pokey. Even less happier is Delin's friend and mentor, Drawl. He has grown tired of life and wants to end it all. Aww. Meanwhile, I don't think he's tired of life. I think he's more tired of how people are on his own world. He's tired of the Ungans ruining everything, and he wants to go out and explore the well, explore the stars and make things better. Meanwhile, Sinclair and Ivanova find their way through the underground complex to a machine with a dying old alien inside. They rescue the alien, who happened to be holding the planet together, and return to Babylon 5, but now the planet is really starting to quake. And when Clara warns that something big is coming through the jump gate, we see the dreaded words, to be continued. <laughs> Taken together, this two-parter is better, but I have to rate this episode on its own, so I'll give it eight and a half Babylon 5 mantras out of ten. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thanks again, Victor. And our last email is from Anka, who wants to read Anka's email. Well, second to last, right? Or Oh. Yes. Yeah, we've got Sorry. something from Bill afterwards. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. Um, so, hi, down below team. Finally, here's my first review for you. Yeah, you've been promising it for a while. <laughs> I love two-parter episodes in TV shows. They seem to promise much, and this episode was just one of those very typical good ones. Finally, we discover some mysteries about this planet is near uh, B5. And I remember you were wondering about the planet before. Yes, we were. And there is another old friend of Delenn, Strahl. How many have we met so far? Seems like a lot of Mimbari lately. And it seems like Mimbari can grow a beard. <laughs> Overall, the show gains a little more pace, I find, with quite a few interesting side stories. 
What I love about getting that far into the show in the first two-part episode is that it seems we got to know everybody pretty well by now, and we start loving those characters and constellations. It seems to me, also, the cast has gotten to know their roles very well by now and feel very comfortable. Look at Londo. He is just hilarious. I love that scene between him and Garibaldi. Quotes, as much as I like Ivanova's B5 mantra, I actually, or mantra, I actually enjoyed those quotes. I think I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Not quite the words, I think. And Garibaldi's the heck at the end even more. Especially ending this episode with the heck was cool. All other shows would have ended the cliffhanger with, with a, oh my God, this can't be true. And then showing the actor's face in crazy mode. <laughs> Human of the week, tie between Ivanova and Garibaldi. Alien of the week, drawl. I love the beard. Happy face. <laughs> Points, 8 out of 10 Membari beards. <laughs> Keep the great work up, Anka. P.S. Feel free to shorten it. I am terrible in that. Oh, don't oh, worry about it. Fine. No, we read we the just, whole thing out. Thanks, we just Anka. appreciate any feedback and, you know, we like to hear from you guys. All right. Our last one this time is from Bill. Do you want me to take this one then? Sure. Greetings, lurkers and other strangers. This week, we got our first two-parter and the introduction of Delenn's teacher, Dural. His question regarding the third principle of sentient life was a clear case of Chekhov's gun. In other words, the writer introduces something insignificant, like a girl on the wall, that later becomes important to the plot, like the gun being fired. This rem- his remark that he's going to the sea sounds like something the elves would say in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Just how metaphorical yeah. <laughs> it is, I don't know. We learned that Sinclair was born on Mars, which could be another reason those back home never trusted him, and a and the revolt might be an indication of how the other colonies feel about Earth. We also discover another person from Garibaldi's past, Lise Hampton. At least she was involved with him after he gave up drinking. He also knows about her secret psychorp facilities, showing what we already know, that the corp is, is sneaky and that he's even sneakier. Garibaldi, <laughs> Garibaldi previously referred to God being female, and here, Ivanova says she is God. Coincidence? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Garibaldi literally worships Ivanova. <laughs> Lundo's whatever it is, can't, it can't be that bad story was one of the highlights. And now we know he was married to a dancer. This seems to be an episode where we're learning a lot of backstories. Totally unrelated. Do you think he was ever invited to watch Duck Dodgers? Do you think he'd <laughs> enjoy the classic Warner cartoons more than almost anyone on the station? I think so. Mm. When they get to Epsilon 3, it looks like something out of Forbidden Planet. And that's exactly what Epsilon was. Forbidden. I guess I'm going to... I'm guessing the look was deliberate. I guess that's about all for part one. I have more to say next week after we have the conclusion. Favourite alien, Londo. And for human, I think Susan Ivanova. Rating is seven and a half hokey pokies. With <laughs> Bill W. Remaining, as always, somewhere in Los Angeles. Thank you, Bill. Hello. Thanks, Cheers, Bill. Bill. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, Bill, there was one little minor, teeny tiny spoilery thing I left out, and just we're just letting it remain unknown for as long as possible. 
I'll just say that. So if you want to send feedback, voicemail, email, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or you can comment on Facebook or comment on the website. Or send voicemails or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some really good feedback this week and we hope to get more in the future. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. So is it time for predictions? Yes, let's do prediction predictions. time. Uh, guess What's what the, the title <laughs> of the next episode? <laughs> hmm, I wonder. Um, I guess the only thing is, I think actually I had mentioned it earlier and then uh, I just saw that Bill was mentioning it too. Is like, you know, what Drawl said about self-sacrifice. So maybe that's going to come up in the next episode in terms of like maybe him sacrificing himself to save others. Um I'm just, I mean, that's just sort of something that I thought about. And then what is coming through the jump gate? I'm going to have to guess Babylon 4 because uh, <laughs> I think I've been guessing it's coming back all since the like, first episode. And, um, you know, I'm wondering if that's either one of the reasons that the ships were having problems or um, was, was whatever is happening on this Epsilon 3. Um, I don't know. I'm doing, I hope it is because that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the thing is, so it's supposed to be really big. So, I mean, I can imagine that Babylon 4 is the same size as Babylon 5. So it would be humongous. Um, I have no idea what this alien guy is going to, you know, yeah, I can't even speculate on <clears throat> why he was strapped to the thing and what all this stuff in the middle of the planet was. So I'll just leave it at the things that I actually could think about. So I, I can't wait to see it, honestly. I'm just, uh, I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, we get it as a commentary as well, which would be great. Mm-hmm. And Malika's going to join us on that one, I think. Oh, brilliant. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And here is where I'm going to stick in some comments from Heidi on the episode. Hey, guys. Sorry I couldn't be there to record again this week. But here are my thoughts on A Voice in the Wilderness Part 1. Oh, good, Talia again. Will will be so excited. Um, Delent is getting pretty cryptic, like, kosh lately. She just keeps saying things that I'm like, what is she talking about? So Sinclair was born on Mars. That's, that's interesting. I don't know that it really means anything, but it's interesting. And, um... Sinclair is seeing things, although not just him, because Londo saw the guy, too. Um, and Sinclair and Ivana go, go down to the planet, and there's an elevator? A really cool elevator? Several of them? I have no idea what this means. I guess it just means that someone built a lot of stuff there. And we hear the term Earthers again, and Londo sings the hokey pokey. Um... But really, that had to be the ending with Garibaldi just seeing something. And we don't know what. It couldn't have ended up with, like, the guy just being chained up and that being the end. I don't know. I thought that the cliffhanger part was not really much of a cliffhanger. Um, so I had a couple quotes, both by Ivanova, actually. Is this a multiple choice question? Because I have some ideas. And then this one is a longer one. On your way back, I'd like you to take the time to learn the Babylon 5 mantra. Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova. I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations. Ivanova is God. And if this ever happens again, Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out. Loved that one. Favorite human, Ivanova. 
Alien, Londo, and rating 7 out of 10 cool-looking elevators. And I will be back for the next episode. Talk to you guys later. Hey. That was fascinating, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah, for saying that. Yeah, Heidi. <laughs> I completely agree. And or I hate whatever you said. <laughs> yeah, we're going oh, to do the... We're gonna do the commentary tomorrow, so I'm looking. Yeah, it's always yeah. fun to um, speculate with you with yeah. uh, somebody else that hasn't seen it. So, so Lori, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, today. Lori. Oh, we were we having so many so technical problems. Yeah. Well, that was fine. Yeah. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Thanks it was for a coming along again, Lori. Yeah, I hope you come back on. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely sign up for season, season two, two as soon as that's up. Yay! It should be soon. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You have anything you want to plug right now or? Um, well, let's see. I'll plug, um, investigating Mars for, um, Heidi. <laughs> that was actually the first, um, podcast that I guested on and I was a newbie going along with that. And it's, it's a great show and great podcast and a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. I heard you on investigating Mars uh, a couple of times, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the whole reason I watched the show. I really hadn't heard anything about it. So. I should extend this ending out just to mess with Sergeant Drano, who <laughs> gives me a hard time sometimes. But yeah, that's all we have for today, folks. We'll see you back in one week with The Voice in the Wilderness Part 2. So until next time, sayonara. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you. Across the sea. for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.